What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Post Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today. Football is around the corner. College football, you got NFL football, you got high school football. I'm excited for high school football, too. So we're going to be talking about a lot of football on today. Ariel, how you doing? I'm doing excellent. Like, football is like, even though it's preseason, football is here. I'm glad to be watching them. I'm glad it's back on my TV. I just needed something. So I'm excited. I'm excited for today. Amazing, amazing. So let's go on and really just get into a little bit of NFL preseason. So first and foremost, I want to say that preseason, this is my first time really paying attention and preseason is very boring. Okay. So, but I had to say it like this. So football season is back and it's been a crazy off season, crazier than the NBA. It's been player movement. It's been some drama and some legal drama. We'll talk about in a second, but you know, preseason recently started for all of the 32 teams, but in the sake of time and also the fact is preseason, we're not going to talk about all 32 teams. We're going to talk about the Falcons, all right? Because the Falcons are something that, you know, Ariel's interested in, I'm interested in, and I'm not going to count. They're looking really good right now, Ariel. So first and foremost, I got to get an opening statement for you. How are you feeling about the Falcons after these last two preseason games? I'm really in, like, a mix of emotions because you see them, and I see their progression. I've seen the difference between last year and this year offensively. They look better, and I see more weapons that could be used. Even though they haven't played their entire first string or they may play for one snap and call it a day, I'm, I'm not upset with it. Now, when you look on the other hand, and everybody knows the Falcons have never been a great second-half team. They were actually one of the lowest teams last year on all the list. But it seems just a little bit the same, even though they have a new defensive coordinator. So that's what really scares me. That's why I'm kind of like lopsided. I see the good of it, but I'll also see the bad of it. No, I totally get it. Uh, I think, you know, just the the snippets of the Falcons that I saw, uh, I saw, I was very, you know, encouraged by Kyle Pitts. Uh, the offensive line, I mean, they don't look terrible. I'm telling you whose offensive line looks really bad, the Chicago Bears, because Justin Fields is going to fight for his life all 18 weeks of the season because he's not making the playoffs. So just for 18 weeks, he's fighting for his life. So that that's a bad offensive line. Like, the Bears' o- offensive line makes the Falcons' offensive line from last year looks like a, a championship-containing offensive line. I'll tell you that much. But let's, you know, break down – you know, game by game, it's been two preseason games. So let's talk about the the barn burner, like the clutch gene game that we saw with the Falcons and the and Detroit Lions. We got like some regular season energy where the Falcons won 27 to 23 on some last second heroics. So tell me how you're feeling about that Detroit Lions-Falcons game. Detroit Lions Falcons game. So the Falcons won 27 to 3, a very close game. I personally am loving the dualism that is being displayed on the Falcons quarterback position rise when it comes to Ritter and then when it also comes to Marcus Mariota. I'm glad that Mariota's actually getting a second chance. His beginning seasons didn't really go well while he was playing for the Titans, which is ironic. Arthur Smith has just been pulling people from his dream team that he used to be with from Tennessee Titans, so it's good to see that. It's also good to see Desmond Ritter knowing the strength of his arm, knowing that he can extend plays, and he's also a mobile quarterback. So if they want to do what they, what the 49ers kind of did is switch it out just in case they don't want to tie them or extend their season just a little bit, I don't mind that either. Also, we get to see some of the players that I highlighted last year in my own podcast, 
Darby coming out to play. He's a great defensive player. Actually, he is a wide receiver, but they've been playing him defensively. And I honestly love him if you want to be a backup corner just on that side. You also get to see Williams, one of the top returners, kick returners that we're going to see this year out of all the 32 teams. I'm actually very excited about from the past two games, he's he's been running out majority. His average is going to be 20, 30 yards, but I feel like he can excel. And as soon as the Falcons special team gets it together, they buckle down and they figure out what they're going to do, then I think we can extend and have a lot of returns for a touchdown. I believe the Falcons have found the key to success just a little bit when it came to the Detroit Lions. I know up front, we're going to have to deal with Matt Hennessy, who is one of the newest centers that the Falcons are trying, and he is getting on Arthur Smith's nerves. And mind too, one of the main causes for our penalties when it comes to offsides and when it comes to the neutral zone infraction is getting annoying. So those little things that they're going to have to work on, but pulling out of that Detroit Lions game was amazing. Now the Falcons and the Jets, that's where it got a little heated. They did have a shared practice, and that's where most of we got to beat them, we got to show them, and that's when they got sloppy, especially defensively. That's where DPs has to come in and break that entitlement culture that they are talking about. If you don't know, and they did this yesterday, I thought it was an interesting fact. They practically redid the whole Falcons team. There's only 14 remaining members from the time that Arthur Smith was coaching that 2021 year and the time before when he wasn't there that have remained. Everybody else has left, including Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. So you're kind of starting to see a new dynamic and that nobody's entitled to their spot. They're still finding positions for running back. They're still finding positions for wide receiver. You know what? Piz doesn't have to worry about his position specifically, but everybody else is up for grabs. So I like that the culture is changing and that we're seeing a less celebrated team. They get on the field, they do what they have to do and come off. But as well, we have to fix those structures when it comes to defensively. And I think that's going to have to be figured out sooner than later. You're already counting out because you're one of the worst defensive teams that's ever been in the NFL. And now you're kind of proving it when people get underneath your skin. So they're going to have to try to remain a level head, going to have to find that energy for the second half. They're going to have to pull through and not have these close games. You can't have close games when it comes to the Saints. You can't have close games when it comes to the Buccaneers. You can't have close games right now when it comes to Carolina Panthers, which are looking pretty nice with their new quarterback. You can't have close games here, especially when you're trying to go into the playoffs. So that's the one thing I feel like the Falcons definitely have to work on from these past two games. Like for me, I was not watching the Falcons game on yesterday uh, because Monday Night Raw was on. I'm a wrestling fan again, and I was watching that. So I was sort of watching at first, like around like 8 p.m. I was trying to watch both. I'm like commercial break for Raw. I'm watching football. Commercial break for football. I'm watching Raw. But eventually, I just I just gave up and I turned off the football game. Um, but what I saw before I turned it off was very encouraging because when I proceeded to turn the game off, the Falcons were winning 10 to zero. Very impressive touchdown. And then they got you know very close you know to the red zone. And they kicked a field goal. How did they lose 16 to 24 after that? I'm, I'm confused. I mean, basically, it's tiring themselves out and going into the games. The Falcons have, and if you haven't noticed their patterns, of course, it's preseason, but 
that's what you look at. You look at patterns and you look at potential. And a Falcons pattern, they go in with all their heart. And when they see that they're up by double digits, that's when they start to relax. And like I said, there's already been heated moments between the Jets and the Falcons during that shared practice. So now they're like, okay, we're doing what we're supposed to do. Dean Pease is pleased. We're tackling our man. We're going after it. We're deflecting balls. We're breaking passes. We're dropping our shoulder. And that's all fine. But you you can't let yourself be caught off guard by the goodness that you do. And that's, I think, is the Falcons' Achilles heel. They'll see themselves doing good. And then after that, they feel like they don't have to work anymore. And that's where that entitlement culture comes from. That's where you think where – I'm becoming a better player. I'm going to be the best player. I'm going to receive one of these victory slots. And then you let the other team beat you. That's basically what happened. And after that, there, there wasn't any coming back. You have missed fumbles. You are three and out. You're letting the defense of the Jets, who aren't really that good and are missing their main quarterback and not even playing their main people, outrun you, outposition you, and block every pass that you ever have. You can't allow that to happen, even on a team that you think isn't even qualified to play against you. That makes sense. Uh, I need the Falcons to tighten up. Like, I'm trying my best to become a Falcons fan and a Ravens fan, the fan of the birds, if you will. You know, well, I'm more so a Lamar Jackson fan. But still, I'm trying to represent for Georgia, and I'm trying to be here when they down, all right? You, you, you got, you, you're not a real fan if you ain't there when they down. So I'm trying to be with the Falcons when they down. So when they eventually come up at some point in time before the world ends, which might be very soon, like we could, we could be, we get it together, man. You know, we just never know. And like I said, we don't know monkeypox. You got, got COVID, you got war. You just never know. But hopefully by the time, you know, we, we, by the time we see the Lord, we, we, we can show the Lord a Falcons Super Bowl ring. All right. But the Lord, the Lord holds off till the Falcons get a re at least, you know, go back to the Super Bowl for a third time. As long as you allow me an appearance at this point, if that's all I get, that's that's all I get. At, at the end of the day, the Falcons have weapons offensively, and I think that was the major thing that Arthur Smith was looking for. You got Jared Bernhardt, who is making an appearance, Quadre Allison, Damian Williams, Tyler Allegra, they're all fighting for that running back spot, and running rushing yards is going to be the main thing for the Falcons this year. You can't always throw the ball. It's great for Desmond Ritter. It's great for Marcus Mariota. But we have to get that running game together, and you also have to get that defense together. But like I said, if the Lord lets us see just a third appearance, just a third appearance, and make it a close game, not a game where we fall behind by 10 points and above, I will be okay. You know, we always hear in church that you never know the day and the hour. And none of us know the day and the hour that the Falcons will make it back to, to, to the Super Bowl. God might be like, listen, y'all had your chance. It's time to go. Like, sorry, you had your chance. You know what I'm saying? It's time to go at this point. We'll never know. But but I am encouraged for, for the Falcons for real. Kyle Pitts is, is great. They got some great young players. I actually am very encouraged. And we'll see what happens uh, when they play uh, in September. But let's get into some more serious news, all right? So... Uh, the verdict for the NFL uh, came down for Deshaun Watson on last Thursday. The NFL released a statement saying that Deshaun Watson will be suspended for 11 games and will return in week 13 versus his former team, the Houston Texans. How ironic. It was also announced last Thursday that the Browns and the NFL will both donate $1 million to support nonprofits and other organizations for domestic violence and abuse. And Deshaun Watson will have to undergo uh, psychiatric evaluations in therapy so watson after everything was over he spoke about the decision 
and said, I apologize once again for the pain that a situation has caused. I take accountability for the decisions I made. My focus going forward is on working to become the best version of myself on and off the field and supporting my teammates however possible while I'm away from the team. I'm excited about what the future holds for me in Cleveland. So for me, Ariel, with this apology, uh, it's this show that I don't know if you watched it, but that I loved. Uh, it's called, it called Survivor's Remorse. You know, LeBron um, and Spring Hill Entertainment, they made it. Uh, it was it premiered on Stars back like 2014. Well-written show, amazing show, a lot of great actors. And in season three, they had an episode where Cam Calloway, uh, he uh, said something that that, that 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 was that was incendiary about uh, kids that have a deficiency in the show. And he didn't mean it in a bad way, but he didn't understand why people were mad. It was almost a cancel culture episode. So Cam Calloway got with a PR person and they crafted an apology. And the root of it is, I'm sorry if I offended you versus apologizing for what was said. And Cam Calloway's situation got a little bit worse because the media in the show hopped on the fact that, hey, like you're apologizing if you offended someone. You're not apologizing for the offense. And I just watched the episode, Ario. I just watched it last week. And I'm like, this is it right here. You're not apologizing for the offense that he actually admitted to in the video he did with, with the Browns, that minute-long video where he, they, he did a video statement before, you know, the verdict came out. But I feel like he's apologizing for us being offended and not for the offense nor for the pain that he caused to these 24, 25 women that he sexually assaulted or allegedly, you know, for legal purposes, sexually assaulted. So, you know, just for me, just to come out the gate, I, I did not like this apology because I think the root of an apology is apologizing for the offense and not if you're offended. Because if I'm apologizing for if you're offended, that means that I, I, I apologize to you, man instead of apologizing for what I did to cause pain and also to cause the reaction from you. So for me, I, I didn't like this, this apology. Barrio, what do you think about it? I mean, just thinking about it, I was thinking about all the arguments that I've ever had or the conversations that I have with people and learning from my language class and learning from my, I, I took a, a site course in college and it's, it's basically what you said the way that you apologize and the way that you word it um can display different meanings and it can take on different personas than what you think of it as and his apology left me confused and wondering was the situation actually dealt with and are there clues that are leading into well maybe they just wanted to hurry up and sweep this under the rug because we have cuts coming up the season is coming up and we don't want to deal with this anymore but also on the guilt level of Deshaun Watson because previously he had apologized in the beginning of this case to all the women to the people that offended and the situation that happened that was his first apology he apologized for everything despite all the settlements and things that were happening. And now he comes out with this apology and now it's kind of only saying sorry about the situation, not specifically to certain people. And then in his second statement, like he said, when one reporter asked, so how are you moving forward? Where are we going on? And he said, and I'm, I don't specifically just overall in general, you know, a settlement is not admitting to guilt. It's just trying to move on from this standpoint. And 
the reason why I'm confused is because, well, if he didn't commit, allegedly, if he didn't commit the crime and identify him guilty, and this is the final say, I feel like he's entitled to still apologize, but to also defend himself from this position. I do not agree with the way that it was said and how it was referenced and how it came off, but would you want to be a person that wants to apologize for everything where technically you weren't accused of anything? All the settlements were finalized. You're now not playing 11 games. I have to undergo psychiatric evaluation. I have to go to therapy. I have to learn from my mistakes. And then after that, I have to put in an appeal to even play against the team that I used to play for. I'm already going through a lot of stuff. So I'm the apology, when I seen it and I watched it live, the apology did come at me wrong because I'm sitting here like, well, he's just, it was more a general statement instead of empathy. That's, that's where I got at it. But I don't, I don't understand people. I don't think people understand the frustration as if he wasn't accused and he wasn't dealt severely with something that supposedly they cannot prove, then the apology that they're looking for will never come. But the thing is, Deshaun Watson, the way that he worded it and the way that he said it kind of admits him to guilt, but maybe there's a deeper story that we don't know. Like, the whole thing confuses me. I see where people are mad, but I also see where you'll probably never get the apology that you want. But a different way of him saying it should be dealt with. If if I make sense, like, I, it's, I don't, it's, um, yeah. It's, it's a situation that I don't know how to really handle right now. It's weird. No, I, I totally get it. And, you know, for me, when I think about things, oftentimes in my mind, I make associations. And also I bring up often just things that I've watched, like, you know, media that I've consumed. And I watched the Vlad TV interview with legendary broadcaster Tavis Smiley, big fan of his. And I watched this interview and he talked about um, his situation about, how he got fired from PBS and you know, he's been in legal proceedings with them. And he said that PBS, you know, kept trying to settle the case and the settlement price reached $1 million. It was millions of dollars that they were trying to settle with Tavis Smiley for. And what Tavis Smiley said in his sexual misconduct case is that, you know, it was a million dollar settlement. And he decided not to take it because he wanted to clear his name because money don't don't matter because name is all he has so in a in a sort of similar situation i want to just say that this what deshaun watson has alleged against him and what he's accused for is nowhere near what what tavis smiley was doing tavis smiley it, it, it was it was misconduct in, in a different way but tavis smiley said i'm not gonna take a settlement i'm gonna clear my name and i think that that is to me when i look at both cases is the difference to me is that i think that in that apology that deshaun watson gave on that video he really apologized that was a real apology but then his legal team was like hey man you, you can't say that man you can't like the appeal process is going on like you know the nfl pa and, and you know just the nfl they talking so we trying to to, to, to figure out what's going on because Roger Goodell said a year suspension. We're trying to get you down a little bit, get you back on the field. Need you to calm that down. And I think that that's why you got the statement, which probably wasn't even crafted by Deshaun Watson. It was probably crafted by his, his legal representation, where it's like, hey, I apologize for what this has caused. Because I think with the, the so many cases and so many people that are saying this was done, 
I just think it, it, it's fundamentally wrong from a PR standpoint to say, oh, Deshaun Watson didn't do anything. But the, the thing with settlements is that settlements are for, like you said, to get the heat off of you and just to deal with it, pay some money, make it go away, whether you did it or you didn't, that, like, that doesn't incriminate you. But I think the fact that this isn't an ongoing case, and, it, and I'm not a, a lawyer or anything like that, but I think the fact that this isn't an ongoing case where Deshaun Watson is trying to prove that he didn't do this, I, I, I just think that the apology doesn't hint to that. I, I think the, the apology to me says, you offended, I want to play football. I don't think it's saying, listen, I did not do this. I want to clear my name. And I feel like the, the settlement within itself doesn't say that versus what I heard from Tavis Smiley on, on Vlad TV saying that I want to clear my name. All I got is my name. You know, so th that's really like how I look at it is that Deshaun Watson clearly and based on legal proceedings, we can say this, something happened. But now as you try to re rehabilitate your image and people think that the remedy for this case is for him to be suspended for these games that won't help him because he's not publicly showing some level of remorse for his actions. You don't got to say, listen, y'all, I did it. Sorry, I did it. No, you don't got to say that, but you can really take accountability by saying, I apologize for this whole entire situation. I take full responsibility for what happened. And I apologize for all the pain that I've caused or then the pain that this has caused. I think that that's a good apology because even there, all right, I'm being vague. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, Hey, I did it, but I'm being vague in that. And you're putting within that apology, something that you did. Like, what did you, now the question could be, what did, what did you do? But something is in there. So for me, I, I just, like, as, as a black man, as a man in general, we're taught to be accountable. I think that just because you say accountability doesn't mean you're being accountable. That, that's just how I look at it. But let's move into Cleveland and what they're going to look like because Deshaun Watson, he played that first game, and it was very puzzling, although the media didn't really hop on it like that. It was very puzzling. He wasn't good at all. He was terrible, all right? He was horrible. So... They have the other, like, they have Jacoby Brissett that's coming in, the other QB that is clearly going to be starting when the NFL season starts. He's probably going to be in that starting position leading into week 13. So on the football field, outside of the legal proceedings, on the football field, how do the Cleveland Browns look without Deshaun Watson? I mean, that you can't really say without legally because it's it's affected everybody mentally. What legally happened has affected the whole team mentally. Even though you don't want to show it on the field and you don't want to show it in your skill set against other teams, that is going to have an, a major effect on them. You already have crowds booing them. You're going to have disruptions that are going to happen during the game that is going to try and probably will throw off the Cleveland team and whoever they play against, depending on where they go, um, especially in the AFC. So I I believe that they Jacoby Brissett isn't a bad quarterback. Is he at the caliber, let's be honest, of Deshaun Watson? No. But is he a good backup quarterback from what we've seen? Yes. And I believe that maybe until he comes back until week 13, Maybe we're looking at a couple ups and downs. We're looking at a different snap count. We're looking at different plays. We're looking at a different player that doesn't play the same way. And the Cleveland Browns have gone through 
at least three different quarterbacks within the past two seasons. They don't have any familiarity at at all at this point. The only people that they're probably used to is their third-string quarterback, maybe their fourth-string quarterback, and Jacoby Brissett during preseason and also during their camps. But that's still not enough to know your quarterback and know your player. Uh, it's going to take time, and you're going to see that on the field. You're going to probably see a lot of penalties. You're going to see a lot of people out of position. You're going to see not knowing where I need to go or what the play is supposed to be. It's going to be a lot of confusion on the sideline and on the field. I I personally don't know what this season is going to look like. I don't think it's going to be bad, but I don't think it's going to be great. And even when he does come back and play the Texans, that is going to be a game that has so much feelings. There's going to be so many emotions going on. I'm I'm scared for that game, honestly. I don't that if, if it isn't it's going to be game of the week this whole entire thing when he's coming back against the texans i just think this is not, this is not even irony this is blatant because you know irony to a point is like a subtlety where it's like it, it's subtly ironic whereas like deshaun watson gets suspended but he, he's going to come back in time to play the texans this isn't ironic this is so, this is not even subtle this is direct whereas like listen we're going to punish him but he gonna come out for the Texas game though. We gonna we gonna get that on Fox. We gonna get that on X Y Z. I just, man, I, like, I, I just really feel like the NFL to certain points. I mean, they they did punish him. I, I'll give him that. Like they did punish him. He has some level of punishment for everything that that has happened. But I just feel like really, <laughs> he's coming back for the Texans. Like really, that's how I feel. Irony is the Falcons played the Saints as their first game, and they were the last game that they played last season. Irony is going to the Tom Brady Buccaneers and Patriots game last year early in the season. That's irony. Irony with, you know, a hint of, um, not evil, but just a hint of, hey, I'm seeing you again, and this is how, you know, my season turned out. Like, that's different. This is intentional, and I believe this is definitely into i you knew that when he came back this is who he would be playing i i feel i feel that in me that they knew that game was going to be the game they wanted him back i i honestly at at this point i are we gonna watch it i guess we'll react to it um like i don't think it's gonna be a compelling contest i, I feel as if this is very much gonna give us lebron returning to cleveland back in november 20 december 2010 with the miami heat like, I'm pretty sure, I mean, well, both the teams aren't that great. But I'm pretty sure probably the Browns will win, you know. But I think the bigger story is going to be the fact that he's back. I think how he looks is going to be a factor. And I think that if it's an away game, because I didn't get a chance to look to see if that's a home or away game. But if it's mm-hmm. an away game this in, in, in Houston, they're going to be on. I, I don't think it's going to be, thank you, Deshaun. No, I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a lot of booze. I think it's going to be chance. I think it's going to be a lot of situations. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but, I mean, that's their First Amendment right. You know what I mean? So we'll yeah. see what happens. I mean, you go one in five in your first preseason game under 80 yards. Imagine him not playing for the next 11 weeks, how worse that can be. Exactly. It's, it's, it's uh, He's not going to be ready. I don't care what he does during this break. Nothing can substitute for on the court experience in basketball on the field experience in baseball or football and especially with football you can't you can't simulate that you can't simulate a linebacker hitting you you can't simulate a blitz where you're actually in danger of getting hurt you can't simulate that and you shouldn't because you can get hurt 
you know? So it's like, there's no way that he will viably be able to, to, to simulate that. So I believe that he's going to return. He's going to struggle. And I think it's going to be pronounced. And I think that in uh, the next couple of months, that's going to be the story. The story is, is going to be Deshaun Watson comes back. Number one, he came back. You know, it's a lot of, you know, like, like, like backlash against him coming back and all these different things. People might believe that he should have got a longer sentence and that's going to be a debate, but also it's going to be, he was like three of, of 13. Like he got sacked twice. He fumbled the ball. Like, I think that that return is going to be really bad, but we'll talk about it. Whatever. <laughs> I feel like, all right, honestly, honestly at, at this point with this situation, I honestly don't, don't care. I, I feel like for me, like I, I care about what occurred, but I just feel like at this point, the NFL and the Browns and the ownership, they're going to do what they're going to do without any forethought. They're not going to think about how it looks or how we feel. Like as long as it gets the money attention and if Deshaun Watson somehow, some way brings them wins, it won't matter to him. So I, I just, I have no opinion on what happened. So Ariel, final thoughts on this. I, I keep saying this every episode. Cause I feel like my opinion is so controversial. I hate the situation. I hate what happened. I don't like what's going on. This is also a man's life that we're dealing with. He's not in the best situation. I'm glad that the ruling is over that they settled this. I just hope this doesn't happen again. I hope there's more rules set in place and organizations everywhere that it's a wake-up call that predators are really out there. Like, men really do this, and they need to protect their women that's in this organization. They need to make sure that these players really understand the sincerity of this. Like, this isn't... This is an everyday thing. This is happening, and it's getting worse. So I hope this doesn't happen again. Hopefully... Maybe he'll recover from his career because you never want to wish bad on anybody, but hopefully he learns from this situation. Maybe we might get it a better apology in the suing weeks. Um, and yeah, I honestly, I just, the situation, I, it's over my head. It's above me, basically. It's above me. It is above us all. So I, I totally agree. And I don't want to end, you know, the, the broadcast like talking about this because it's very grim and dim. So I want to announce this, you know, and this, you know, deals with the overall brand of, you know, Pulse Media. So if, you know, you're an HBCU graduate and you might follow HBCU Pulse, I want to announce that uh, we have a streaming channel uh, on the app HBCU League Pass. HBCU League Pass is primarily a sports app where they're going to be showing a lot of HBCU games, some high school football and basketball games, but it's also opened its doors to content creators like HBCU Pulse and what we do over here, REL, the whole entire crew, but also, you know, for Offscript TV, Hip Hollywood, which is owned by Kevin Frazier. It's actually his brand. Uh, you have uh, Credit Vizio and SUV TV. So it's a lot of great brands that are on HBCU League Pass. Super excited to be a part of it, Aria. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm I got two phones, Aria. One for the plug and one for the low. And oh, okay. on my second phone, I'm for sure watching the HBCU Post channel, and I'm watching my documentary, Election Season: The Story of True HBCU Queens. So it's gonna be a lot of great content that's coming out, and we're gonna have HBCU football coverage that's gonna be going into like Saturday's matchup for the Me X Challenge. 
Howard and Alabama State University. So we're going to get on that. You're going to be hearing that very soon on HBC Pulse Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, and it will also be on HBCU League Pass. Aria, how are you feeling about that? Like, I, I like our, our our platform has grown. You know, how are you feeling? Honestly, I love the mini plug that you um, did on yourself. I will be definitely watching that documentary on the Queen series. I listen. I posted it on my socials. I have a little circle. I forgot what the little story highlight circle on my Instagram. Like it's it's amazing to have been here. You know, um, Randall. I think our anniversary is coming up. It is. Remember, yeah, that I've been I've been here for a year. So to see the growth us really doing things like it's it's exciting and, and I've, I'm happy to be a part of it I'm happy to have made that announcement like this is it's only going to get bigger and better and y'all need to stay tuned y'all have to keep going because the more we grow the more the more we do it's it's just you know and and that's totally true and I appreciate that Ariel and, I, and our our anniversary of us doing like you know the first broadcast is coming up I want to end on this Ariel I want to end this broadcast by saying this so I want to go back to that Tavis Smiley Vlad TV interview because he um, spoke about his friendship with Prince because Tavis Smiley and Prince were actually really close uh, when Prince was alive. And one thing that Prince was really big on was ownership. And, you know, he had the whole entire situation where he had slave on his face. He wrote slave on his face because the record label had his masters. So he had an ongoing fight, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s around that. And Prince was always big on some level of ownership. Even before he passed away, he took his music off of streaming services. And the only place for the longest time until after he passed, you were able to hear his music was on title, which at that time was owned by a black man in Jay-Z. So Tavis Bali said that he was inspired to start his radio station by Prince. And he said that Prince told him that, contrib- that, that, that content is king, but distribution is emperor. Essentially saying that content is great, like creating content is great, but owning that level of distribution and being involved in that level of distribution is really what's important. Because Aria, we can't make all the content that we want, but if the people aren't seeing it and we're not controlling the ways that they see it, for, both, both for us and also as a group of people, what are we doing? So like, that's something that Aria, like, that's been on my mind since yesterday. Like, I've really been, you know, that's been on my mind. I've really thought about that. And that's what makes this deal so much better is that I believe that we're controlling our destiny and we're creating great content, but now we're responsible for the distribution in the partnership with Urban Edge Network and HBCU League Pass. So, you know, I didn't want to get too deep, but that was was a quarter of the year for me. Like, Tavis Miley, he still got it. (laughs) He still got it. I, I got to write it on there and I got to look at it every day. Like that, that was chef's kiss. Like, wow. Who knew, who knew Prince would um, have the quote of the year. <laughs> right. Still that's, that's legendary. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a legendary within itself. And since we're still talking about sports, I just want to say, I think we talked about it uh, like a few months ago. Prince had the best halftime show at the Super Bowl of all time. Hands yes. Down. I- Hands down. He had the best of all time it started raining when purple rain came on so prince is very much a part of, of football culture so you know i can't wait to see what we're going to have going on uh, with the super bowl show as we move into uh february but ariel where can we find you on social media you can find me on twitter at ask underscore underscore or go to my website at the unaxedopinion.weekly.com 
I love it. I love it. Make sure to follow Pulse Radio 100 on Instagram at Pulse Radio 100, Twitter at Pulse Radio 100, and TikTok Pulse Radio 100. And also, since we mentioned HBCU Pulse, follow HBCU Pulse on Instagram, the HBCU Pulse on Twitter and TikTok, and HBCU Pulse on YouTube. And watch the HBCU Pulse channel, channel 201 on the HBCU League Pass app. But outside of that, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we'll see you on the other side.